For all of you who listen to Submersion and own an Android device, go to the Google Play Store and download the Podcast Republic app. It's a fantastic app that allows you to get all of your favorite podcasts directly on your Android device. I personally use the app and I love it. I can search for the podcast I want to listen to, select it as a favorite, and have it just a click away. Make sure you select Submersion as a favorite so you don't miss any of our new episodes every Thursday. Again, the app is the Podcast Republic app, available on Android devices. Episode 107. Woo! There we go. Ooh. Blew the speakers I'm to step out there in. a little bit. Uh, step in, because, you know, you may have noticed, normally right here, Kyle's letting everyone know what's up um, about the podcast uh, app that he uses religiously, um, Podcast Republic. So, I mean, I know he just, like, loves that podcast app. Right, guys? Yeah, Podcast yeah. Republic. Check them out. He just loves it. Um, but yeah, Brom, why why does it why is he not here and what are we doing today? Well, a lot of people it is it's that time of year. It's vacation season. Uh, Jamie just got back from vacation. Kyle left uh-huh. for vacation. We're trying to figure out we're trying to keep the wheels on the bus here a little bit. Uh, so we've got we've got a four man crew tonight. We are bringing back Patrick. And Ooh. we've got we've got uh, part of the gruesome twosome Alex uh, to to join us, uh, but because we're kind of in the midst of uh, vacation season here, we're we're doing sort of a transi- transition episode of sorts. Uh, so we still got a few more weeks of Mega Monster Movie Month, but we are going to kind of segue a little bit and give a sampler or tease of what we're going to be jumping into next month, which we are happy to reveal is going to be Anime Movie Month. Or, or just anime in general, but uh, we've we found an anime again with the help of our friends at the uh, Star Blazers Discord. Uh, my friend Khan has shared with us a anime that we're going to watch tonight uh, that has a little bit of both. It's got it's obviously anime, but it's got those mega monsters in it, and we'll uh, yeah, we'll announce I'm not it sure, a little bit. I'm not sure Alex would agree with that statement, but. He does. He has some dissent, so we'll we'll have to tap him, and I guess we can leave it up uh, to our listeners to de- to decide if this uh, should count as mega monsters or not. But uh, giant, how you guys been doing? a giant robot. Um, I've been pretty good. I mean, what was the vacation? Came back on like? vacation. Went up to a went up to a lake in Wisconsin. Um, was supposed to go back home, you know, but nowadays uh, with everything going on, didn't seem feasible. So went up, relaxed to the max on this lake and it was beautiful and it was so relaxing and it was so nice yeah. and I might even do it twice and I think I'm going to go back in August. That's good wow. to hear. That's my kind of vacation. Yeah. I miss my lake house. Exactly. I had lake life and I crushed it and Patrick, don't worry. I'll do lake life for both of us this year. No. I know I know that'll make you feel better. It's not. It, doesn't, it makes you feel no. worse. Oh, okay. But that's fine. Yeah, I'm just sadly sitting in England, and all I do all day is I play old video games. So me and me and the wife have been—I've been forcing her to play King's Quest with me, and so uh, we've gone through oh. the original first four. So we just finished the fourth one tonight. So is, that's, is that the that's game our vacation. Like, hmm? You like click on the screen, and the character walks around like one of those old ones, and you got to find clues and stuff on the screen. Yes, it is a classic uh, Sierra Online adventure game series, uh, and the first four are all kind of text. There, there's visual elements, but you you type commands in. So we're about to start the fifth one. That's the first ever graphical icon based adventure. Okay. Game. So okay. We, we've got we've got the icons. We've got the icons, which is great. 
I remember those. Yeah, Dang. right. Pretty old stuff. It's, it's really what we grew up on. Um, to be true, the, the truth about it, like we barely ever did, you know, <clears throat> anything like what you guys do in terms of like any shooter games or Call of Duty or any of that kind of stuff. None of it. It was almost entirely adventure games. Yep. Um, and our childhood. spoiler alert: there is a, a Sierra Online adventure game that has a very large submarine element. So we'll have to see it sometime. Oh. So. All right, Alex, what have you been up to? Anything? Besides from working, not really. It's been a pretty easy summer for me this far. I don't have any vacations or anything planned, so I'm available to go every day this summer, as long as you guys are. Record 24-7? Yep. yep. Whoa. You guys are going to love it. Do you want to start seven different podcasts and record one each day? I don't know. Twinsmersion. You want to be part of Twinsmersion? Yeah, why not? Throw me on there. Uh, would oh, you like sorry. to <laughs> someone who's trying to think oh, <laughs> yeah. what began as an innocent conversation among friends would soon spiral out of control and later be referred to by future generations as the eighth wonder of the modern world Mac East Studios takes you on the journey of your lifetime as your captains, Alex the Mustard Man, the artist formerly known as Brom, Jamie the Ointment, Kyle El Capitan, and Zach the Backbone present Submersion. Wow, very nice. Someone had to keep this under control. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I managed to find something that, that actually worked better than I thought it was going to. Yeah. Uh, only problem is when I went to pause it, I accidentally paused my Audacity recording instead. So there will be a. <laughs> Should we clap again? Uh, I don't think that will help, but uh, you'll just have to delay my uh, soundtrack by like five seconds at some point around that moment there. Incredible. Uh, this is going to be incredibly difficult to do. Uh, it's just one. It's one move. It's one shift. You'll figure it out. Uh, I accidentally pause mine now. <laughs> Did I'm you joking. really? I'm joking. No, I didn't. <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, at least we can all laugh about it right now until the listeners have to suffer through an episode where Brahm's coming in five seconds later than everyone else. Yeah, like I said, we'll figure it out. Uh, what, what, do we, uh, what do we watch this week, Alex? Oh, God. I don't have it pulled up. Uh, Mazinger Z, uh, a Japanese anime from... When did this come out? 1970? 1973, I think. 73? Right? I think it was 74, and it's called Transor Z in the United States, if I remember. Oh, okay. Wow. So, so uh, some, some super fans might be more familiar with that, that name, Transor Z. Transor Z. But it, uh, one thing to mention is that I think we've all, like me, Brom, you know, Alex, we, we all watched the same version of this, which was a dubbing that we were given access to in some way. And it, uh, but I, I believe the dubbing ended up being a fan dubbing or something like that. Cause it was an English dub, but was not the American version. Mm-hmm. Cause when, when Patrick went to go watch it, he found a Japanese, a Japanese with English subtitles, which was very similar to what we watched, but with, you know, the added hilarity for us of, of English dubbing. And then he also found the American version of it. And maybe Patrick, you can tell a little bit about that. Uh, sure, we can get into it during the actual, uh, maybe after we describe the plot, just because it makes a little bit more sense with that. But it, oh, it is sure. a much different 
like experience watching the American one. They cut out a lot of stuff. Uh, all the names are different. Um, they do. There's a bunch of like. There's a narration that like describes a bunch of weird stuff that is not in the originals. And they cut away at one point and do like a totally different sequence of events that is from very clearly later in the Japanese series. They like insert it in the middle. I think just to add some action. It's very weird, but mm. we can get into that afterward just because it's going to be a little hard to explain some of okay. the true ridiculousness without knowing the uh, story. So, Yeah, but but that was just a little, little forewarning for <clears throat> all our thousands and thousands, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of super fans who are going to be trying <laughs> to watch along with us who may find... <clears throat> You know that American version and be like, "What are they even talking about?" I uh, love honestly. Toad. I hope you find the the fan dub. Which, as I watched it, I kind of speculated. I wondered if it might be just like a, a fan made dub over it. Yeah. But it the was English, the English was voices funny. were not. Yeah, the Eng- the voice acting was not spectacular. No, but but it was a very apparently a very accurate representation of what the original um, Japanese version was. So much different than the Americanized version of it. Um, but with all that said, should we? Should we dive on into this guy? Dive in. Let's do Get it. Get in there. All right. <clears throat> so, as happens with a lot of these things, we open with a submarine. And, you know, it seems like a lot of these movies and TV shows we watch, they're just like, let's get right into that submarine action. Well, there right, is guys? a theme song that plays before the submarine oh, action. Oh, you want to, you want to, that, that came even before the submarine? My God. Uh, so, you are, you, are you prepared to sing that theme song for I, us now? I will sing a piece of it. Uh, because again, we we are not Kyle. We do not have the uh, the audio editing savvy yeah. to put a uh, theme song in here. So I am prepared to uh, give a slight or small sample of the theme song. Koji can oh. swim in the sky. He can fly beneath the sea in his aerobat man Mazinga Z. <laughs> All right, well, it's going to pop up five seconds later. <laughs> We're all going to be <laughs> laughing about that. Yeah, I that's hope, true. I hope not. Again, I hope we get that squared away. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so we're going to have to cut that. That was offensive. Um, I, I, it's ex- exactly what he sounded like. That is that is true. That <laughs> to, is, to finish the rest accurate. of the song without singing it, Mazinger is faster and much stronger than his enemies. Driving from his little pilder, plider? He can protect Plier. the Plitter. peace yeah. from his wrist fist fly, launching a rocket panch from his chest laser fire, fighting with light energy. Mazingo, Mazingo, Mazinger Z. Nice. Yeah, this made me think. Like originally when I watched it, I was like, "Oh, it's called Mazinger Z because it's an amazing robot." That wasn't the case at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That wasn't that wasn't accurate. <laughs> not, not at all why it's called the singer scene. But uh, anyways, yeah, we go straight into that incredible theme song. Maybe one of the best theme songs um, <clears throat> outside of I guess the original Iron Man <laughs> uh, or something like that. Um, Great but it, uh, Rambo. Yeah, <laughs> we're just speaking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but we go straight to a submarine and it's piloting along, and we it, it goes to Greece. Where there's like an island with like an, a door in it. And you, they go straight into this little island. You're like, whoa, that's pretty cool. And the person who gets out of the submarine is like, it's like a half man, half woman, but more like two people smushed together into one person. So it's like, presumably they have two entirely different anatomies, right? Patrick, you'd say scientifically speaking? I mean, this, they have two different voices. They're played by two different voice actors. 
And so two different esophaguses for, for esophagi for sure, right? It seems like it. And yeah. uh, they they kind of like have two different attitudes and they refer to themselves as we and everyone right. refers to them as they. So they right. seemingly are considered to be two different people that are like right. in the same body somehow. Yeah, but they're they're like, uh, what are they, Baron something or other? Baron uh, Ashura. Yeah. yeah, phonetically it's spelled Ashura, but in the dub we watched it was like Ashler, Baron Ashler. <laughs> but Baron I... Ashler. And they, and they show up and out pops uh, Dr. Hell. And I, originally I was like, oh boy, I can't wait to make the joke about whether he's a medical doctor or a PhD. No, they make it very clear later in the series <laughs> exactly what he was in terms of what got him his doctor. Because apparently he is a perfectly respectable um, doctor of like anthropology or archaeology uh, before turning clearly evil, um, almost even to the point where it's funny, where they're like, oh yeah, Dr. Hell, I remember him. And he As looks, if he's just like a colleague. Yeah, he looks like a demon. And he's called right. Dr. He looks Hell. crazy. <laughs> yeah. Everyone no, else looks go, normal. No, he was like, it's perfect fine, yeah. There he is. Dr. Yeah. Hell. It's revealed he has the cane of Bados, which is what gives him the audacity to become a villain uh, and to uh, take the world over with these, uh, what do they call them, the Mechanese robots? He has created, an, he has created yeah, an yeah. army of mechanical brutes. Ah. And it's it's amazing. He like the every time they talk about these robots, they refer to them as mechanical brutes. They can't stop referring to them as mechanical brutes. Everyone who talks about them has to re- refer to them as mechanical brutes. Yeah. It's like someone's full name. It's like don't call me John. Call me John Mechanical Brutes. Know, Richard. Yeah, John Mechanical Brutes. I'm, and everyone's <laughs> like, oh fuck, fine. McJohn Mechanical Brutes. I'm gonna I'm gonna promise you something. When I become rich and famous, and you and I buy you guys your fleet of autonomous submarine drones. They're all. They're going to be called mechanical brutes. So, I like when that. I become, when we become rich and famous off of this, and I buy the Knicks, I'm going to start a band <laughs> that's called Jamie and his Mechanical Brutes. <laughs> and you're going to play at M- MSG every single. Month. Yeah, you're going to open. Yeah, it's going to be a hybrid <laughs> jazz ska band. Obviously, you're going to open for Bruce Springsteen. It's going to be great. Duh. <laughs> um. So, anyways, he's like, let me show off these like mechanical brutes. Don't even worry about it. And he's like, I use this fork of whatever or prong or whatever. It's the and cane I'm going to power bottles, these guys up. Jamie, we've already been over this. <laughs> cane of bottles. And he's like, I'm going to power this guy up. And he's got these scythes. He looks like, like a bull with these like giant scythes on his head. And he pulls one out and he's like, whoa, stop. You're totally going to rip this whole place asunder if you do that. And then God, the his robot name puts was Virada A7. How could I forget? And then uh, the other robot's like a two-headed like dragon robot. And he's like, power this one up too. And he like starts shooting some laser beams and melts like half a column. And he's like, stop, stop. You can totally melt this place if you didn't do that too long. <laughs> Doublus M2. Doublus M2. Oh, Doublus. Yeah, that makes sense. Two heads. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, Baron Ashler. Uh it's time to take out the only person who can stop me because he's the only person in the world who knows about me and my mechanical brutes. And that's Dr. Uh, Kabuto? Yes. Right? I believe it's Kabuto. Yes. Dr. Yeah. Kabuto. I think is Japanese yeah. for helmet, maybe? Yep. Oh, and also for Pokemon. But no, I'm joking. It is a Pokemon. There is, is a, a Pokemon, Pokemon, but it's because it's a helmet shaped horseshoe oh. crab. But yeah. Good. But it, um, like, oh, yeah, go over to the, take over the Light Institute. And where he works and you know that's going to be the first step towards me taking over the world with my mechanical brutes and baron ashley's like uh straight up let's do it and so then we flash over and we see the doctor and he's like he's like albert einstein mixed with like 
Thomas Edison mixed with every ever all these all these reporters there being like, what's the next goddamn invention by this super genius? And he's like, I invented this uh, alloy. It's called uh, whatever Z. What was it called? Was it called the Zinger Z? No, it's called Alloy Z or something. uh, Yeah, it's Alloy Z, yeah. Super Alloy Z. Yeah, so Super Alloy Z. It's made from a new element, and it's... I I feel like we should have collected... Did you... For your countdown, you didn't do uh, fake elements in movies and TV shows, did you? Shit, yeah. No, I didn't. That's too bad. Well, this is Japanium. Yeah, this one's Japanium, which, Patrick, do you... Yeah, I'm going to mention it. Yeah, so... So if I memorized while in quarantine, I memorized all the elements because I'm a weirdo. But no, that's weird. Yeah, <laughs> one of the higher ones is Nihonium, which in fact means you know, Nihon is Japanese for Japan. So there is in fact a Japanium now. Back in 1974, there wasn't a Japanium. It was named after that, but there now exists a Japanium effectively. But yeah, oh, wow. it's probably not made of that. It should be called the ointment. There we go. It should be. <laughs> also, I mean, that's probably you saying that you memorize all the elements in quarantine is the saddest thing I've ever heard. So, <laughs> I, I also I also it. memorized all of the prime ministers Ouch. of Britain. So there we go. Oh boy. Okay. Well, I mean, maybe that will be useful in the future mm-hmm. if you if you need to ever know those those facts for some kind of like test you have to take. I, I don't even know. I did it for but, a pub quiz, and then they never ask any science or history questions, so it it was pointless. Yep. Right. Yep. Well. Yeah. Okay. Uh, moving on. Uh, so that he's talking about Japanium and, and Super Alloy Z, and it's basically like it's like steel, but like way better. And he's like, "Let me shoot this like laser beam at, at it, and it doesn't do anything to it." And all the reporters like, "My God, it's amazing! It's, it's crazy!" Even though like the, I'm, I'm looking at it, I'm like I'm a little skeptical. It seems like a demonstration that could be uh, pretty easily uh, faked or something like that. I don't even understand how you know how strong the laser beam is or, you know, what it is. He should have melted a steel uh, beam and then not melted the super alloy Z. That would have been good. But alas, not what he did. Then he's like, oh, let me show you the second thing he could do. And it, he, like, makes it produce energy or something. It produces light out of it and by electrocution or something. And all the reporters are like, my God, it's so, it's so fucking bright. And, and the professor's sitting there, like, just staring at it, like, yes, yes. And everyone's like, that's the greatest invention that's ever been made. And it's literally the greatest invention in the history of the world. And like Michael Jordan, he's like, I'm retiring at the top of my game. I'm out of here. This, this jokester over here is taking over the Institute. And so he retires, and everyone's like, okay, that was interesting. Um, he was basically the best inventor in the world and he's retiring, but fine. Uh, good for him. And so, um, this is all, all not really known to Dr. Hal at this point. They're going thinking they're going to destroy, uh, Dr. Kabuto, but he's kind of go, he goes off into hiding or whatever. Uh, next thing we see is we're kind of introduced to our, um, ma- main character, I guess, and, and his, and some size, some peripheral characters because, uh, was that at this point that there was a, we we first see the attack right on the house. Uh, we the first thing first I think see them being like, where is he? And then it shows him going. They say like, where's yeah, so where's trying, Koji? Yeah. yeah, they go after the yes. grandkids first. Right, so they they don't really know where he is. So they decide the the Baron actually they decide to send the people after the um after the grandkids uh, first. And the little, the little guy, there's like a, a kid one and then kind of an older one. The older one's off motorcycling uh, like a badass. And then the younger one's there and he's like, where is he? He's always motorcycling around. He's like, that's too dangerous. Shiro. 
and then and Shira is like complaining, but then these people bust into the house and totally murder his like babysitter or whatever. Rumi, Rumi, and yeah, they actually uh, like murder, murder her, straight up. Her body's um, like even changing colors. <laughs> yeah, she's just like it's like ashen, she's yeah, like gray on the ground like a corpse. Pretty gross. And then we we go over and they 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 figure out from that you know where to go and potentially find uh the doctor but um at the same time koji's out motorcycling like a badass he jumps over he's like plays chicken with a truck and just like leaps over it i don't know how he does that there's no ramp or anything he just jumps right over it and the truck driver almost crashes and dies and looks back and is like oh you kid and he's like don't you don't you talk to me i'll, I'll like beat the shit out of you and i was like whoa this guy's like a crazy <laughs> you almost killed him he's like it's a right to be a little angry at you I mean, yeah, I agree. Right? Uh, yeah. I completely agree. <laughs> Except he didn't quite say any curse words. It was more like, you dingus or something. I forgot what he said. <laughs> it was yeah. funny. <laughs> yeah. How about you come over and like say that to me, dingus? Yeah. Or something like that. I'll rough you up, like, well, you doofus. Yeah. yeah. He's like, uh, I was like, oh, look at who's this, who's this uh, rapscallion over here. I'm like, I don't like him. <laughs> so anyways, he shows back up at his house and he's like, hey, what happened in here? And he's like, and Shira's like, oh, Ruby died. Look at Ruby. It's like a corpse on the ground. And Koji seemed perfectly, doesn't find anything particularly crazy about this. Like, oh, boy, she totally died. And he's like, where are the people? What happened? He's like, oh, they ran away. And Koji runs outside, can't find anyone. Uh, the grandfather sees that they've now come, starting to come after him and calls up Koji. And is like, yo, Koji, what's up? And Koji's like, uh, Rumi's dead. I got some news for you. Rumi got killed. And he's like, wait, by people in helmets? Because I'm seeing some people in helmets outside my house. That's not, that's not a good sign. Come quick. I got something to tell you. And then he runs into like a secret little compartment in his house. And the Baron Ashley, they totally blow up the house. And like Dumbo bad guys, they're like, uh, no one could have survived that blast. Um, good to go. Shouldn't check this house. Shouldn't check if there's any super weapons in there that maybe we should confiscate or take or like take care of or destroy. Everything's good. And let's just go back to Dr. Hell and say mission accomplished. Good to go. And so Koji shows up and the whole house is blown up. And he's like, oh boy. And they're like, wait, that's weird. There's like a basement. I never, I don't remember a basement in my in grandpa's house. And he go, they go down there and grandpa's under a beam. And they're like, uh, pff, we should move this. And grandpa's like, no, don't. This is like too late. Uh, but I got something to tell you. There's a giant robot over there. And like, my God, it's so huge. It's like really giant. And they keep on talking about how exclaiming how like, giant, oh, look at how big it is. Hey, there is and, a, there's a pretty cool quote here, provided the translation was correct. And this was probably the best bit of writing I thought in the whole two episodes we watched, but... Dr. Kabuto described the robot as, that robot is perfect. There is nothing yeah. to correct or adjust. With Mazinger Z, you can either become a god or a devil. Yeah, it was a little, I mean, I will say. Koji must be um, a Superman. Yeah, I just, I, I feel like he was being a little bit arrogant there. It's perfect. No adjustments. Doesn't need like a new rocket hand or like even <laughs> like a new weapon or some sort. He could have. Everything's perfect. We use some work on the UI interface clearly because Koji yeah, co well, no. wasn't ready. It wasn't this. iPod. Let me just say there was no wheel. He wasn't just spinning, twisting the knobs. It was 1,000 buttons, a panel. I would say, given the complexity, the 
ease with which, with which he was able to get into and start controlling the robot was amazing. Well, he's a motorcycle genius, so I don't know oh, that should make sense. But what but, uh, doesn't make sense is why you have one billion buttons in your, in your craft. <laughs> True. Uh, well, the craft has to both both power the pilder, as we everyone knows what a pilder is, uh, the, hover, the hovercraft, uh, and also the, um, the robot itself. But anyway, Steve Jobs like, is spinning in his grave. Go on. Yeah. So Dr. Kabuto's like, there's that hovercraft. It's really easy. Don't even worry about it. And Koji's like, uh, how do you, but how do I use it? It's like, just climb in it and use it. Idiot. And then he's like, also, here's like a document. Take it and like deal with it later. But otherwise, it's really important that you know, and then he dies. Mm -hmm. And so basically, they're left with this giant robot and like a hovercraft with five million buttons. Quick, like, quick question. What do you think? He, what, what was he trying to tell him at the end? The very important thing. Um, probably the, I guess I don't, yeah, I guess I'm not really sure. Was it how to control it? That would have taken a while, wouldn't no. it have? I, have? I have a guess. What about you? Brom, Alex, what? anybody? Um, that he loves his grandsons. Probably. I think, I think it was the existence of Aphrodite A, is my guess. He had, he had, very important to tell him that there is another robot out there who can teach you how to actually control this thing. And you should probably go find that person instead of me trying to explain it right before I die. Um, luckily, Aphrodite A was controlled by a totally banging chick, and mm. Koji was going to listen to her anyways. True. Uh, and so he's like, okay, time to start doing this. He climbs into the hovercraft and pretty quickly gets the hovercraft right into position yeah, and into only, the robot. It's only robot. like a 15 minute sequence. It's great. I know it takes forever, but then it is crazy then. Cause it's like, Oh look, it actually is fairly easy to control apparently. But then when he's trying to control the robot, it, everything goes awry because he like almost crushes, crushes his brother. The thing just starts running. It's actually really annoying. It's like really aggravating in, a, in an odd way. <laughs> Him not being able to control this robot. You're just like fucking figure it out, man. Just figure it out. Because <laughs> they just they keep on doing the same stuff over and over again. And it's like it's making a really annoying sound. And the annoying sound happens like over and over again. And I'm like, oh, could they have made this any more annoying? Him trying to learn how to control this robot. And the uh, Shiro voice actor was very annoying too, which yeah. uh, didn't And he's help. like... Oh no, Koji! Oh no, you're gonna stop! You're gonna stop me! You're gonna kill me! Oh no! Oh wait, we do have the audio capabilities. You just play it from the. I was hoping Kyle would be here because he does a really good little whiny kid voice. Yeah, he also does a good one where, like, if we were gonna talk about how we like, ate up these episodes, he'd be like, "Nom nom 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 nom." Nom nom right? nom 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 nom. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, uh, the robot starts stomping all over the place, like kind of running through the forest, and Shiro's like, ah, "My back! Oh boy, you really hurt me!" And then uh, he runs out, and then there's all of a sudden there's like another robot there, and he's like, uh, "What up?" And the other robot's like, "This is weird. You're like another robot, and also you don't know how to control your robot. Like, be careful, and you're you need to like use the buttons correctly and stuff like that." And so she kind of helps him in the first instance of kind of getting things a little, at least a little bit under control. And they're basically saying like, you have a lot of weight, you have a lot of ways to go. Like you have to, you have to actually learn how to use this thing. And you can't just do your weird, like motorcycle, like rebel without a cause way of doing things. Cause you can't just like shake your fist at it. And the robot's going to obey you. Like you actually have to learn and use your brain. Um, <clears throat> so anyways, they find out that this robot is Aphrodite A built by um, Dr. Kabuto's, uh, former assistant, now head of the institute, and that the reason Dr. Kabuto left and built Mazinga Z 
elsewhere from the Institute is because he didn't want the super alloy Z to be used publicly as like a weapon. And so Aphrodite A is like the peaceful robot. And of course. Mazinga Z is like a is like a super crazy like weapon robot with like laser eyes and stuff and super punch. And Aphrodite the weird thing is like why they decided to kind of weirdly sexualize Aphrodite A. Mm-hmm. Uh, why does the robot have breasts? Anyone can anyone explain that? I cannot. And I, uh, I cannot, in fact, yeah. the, the pilot, uh, by the way, her name is Sayaka. But uh, Sayaka's mech, Aphrodite A, it's like only weapon or boob missiles. Right. Oh, did, wait. It, did, actually, I didn't think it had weapons at all. It does. Right, I yeah, guess yeah. it has boob missiles from uh, what I yeah. heard from my informant. Eventually. Does it shoot? Do the, do the missiles only uh, provide love? I, like, do I, they don't I, explode? <laughs> no, I think they're uh, offensive. Okay. In multiple That's, ways. Seems... Yeah. I feel like that's offensive to Dr. Kabuto's wishes as well. I mean, we'll get to episode two when the person literally says, uh, fighting is like a man's job. Stay behind me, Aphrodite. Yeah. And it's like, oof. Do you think the, the robot Aphrodite A is uh, anatomically correct in all ways? No, I don't want to have a discussion. <laughs> no, no, okay, we'll stop it. Okay, we'll just keep on moving on. I'm going um, to say a- yes. Okay. I'm going to say yes. I hope so. <sighs> Okay. Um, Got to store those missiles somewhere. Uh, yes. Basically, the monsters come out and they're like, "Come back next time to see the epic conclusion of fighting these monsters." Right. Because then I think I think at that point, Doctor Hell is like, "Release the my uh, mechanical brutes on Tokyo or whatever." Yeah. Well, they re- he, they he redirect them. They, they've already destroyed a city. They redirect them once they realize that the the mech is there. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah they, they. Yeah. I guess they. Once they. They. They thought they had killed Doctor Caputo. They had sent it to destroy a city, and then once they realized that that was, they were sorely mistaken. That that Mazinga Z was still able to be controlled. They redirected, and we're going to attack. Yes. So that got us to episode two, where which is kind of an interesting episode because it has like the climactic battle, but also spends a lot of time kind of a little expositiony, kind of explaining certain aspects of the the series because like almost immediately one of the things that they delve into is dr hell's background story a little bit mm. and so dr hell they're like oh yeah it's like tell me about dr hell oh and they open like a will and it like reads about and this is where they yeah so basically the paper that was given by dr kabuto is his will and the will kind of explains the purpose of the robot and, and why he created it and all kinds of stuff and part of it's basically that like dr um dr hell was a researcher that had accompanied Dr. Caputo on a trip to study the Mykonean culture of um, of Greece. They had found like a sunken city uh, of this like former empire, and even the assistants like, oh yeah, Dr. Hell, I remember him. He used to he was like a researcher, and I was like, okay. <laughs> so this like monster person was just like a regular old PhD researcher struggling for grants and stuff. Uh, while at the beginning of the story. So anyways, they're like together and they find this city and in the city are robots that have been like kind of destroyed. So they, this empire had controlled the the world basically through these robots. And then the only way they were defeated was naturally by the earth through an earthquake. And it kind of crushed all the robots and, and the civilization sunk into the sea. And so all everyone else is like, this is amazing. This is great. Look at all this technology for the good of the world. But Dr. Hell saw an opportunity here 
for some mechanical brutes. And who isn't going to leap onto the opportunity for some mechanical brutes? So he apparently secretly rebuilt these robots and then whipped them out. No, no, no. He didn't rebuild them. Everyone rebuilt them. He secretly put like a controlling mechanism in their brain. He put the mechanism. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's that's like a common trope and stuff too. Like, oh, we put a special like switch in their brain. Yeah, he he blasts his little fork and it goes into either their like mouth or eyeball or like it, it random places on their body, and then it's just like num, 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 and they become like his slave basically. It's right, and so he then he then he crushes all these scientists, these innocent PhDs. And, uh, but he looks around, he's like, where's Dr. Kabuto? Dr. Kabuto has jumped in, leaped, leapt, like his spry young person self he is, into a boat and is able to escape. And Dr. Hell's sitting there shaking his fist at him, kind of being like, I'll get you pesky Dr. Kabuto, you know, and and someday I'll destroy you and blah, blah, blah. This begs a lot of questions, this whole storyline, just because... How long did it take? Did Dr. Kabuto immediately? Like, was this like yesterday? Like, how, why did Dr. Hell sit idle for so long with his mechanical brutes, letting Dr. Kabuto spend his life's work creating a, the only robot that could possibly defeat him? I don't know. Good question. No one can explain that. Apparently, it seems like it's decades later that Dr. Hell's like, finally, my plan. It's a good question, also, in the context of by the end of the episode, he, his mechanical brutes are decimated. And yet, right. and yet, we're led to believe that he will have, you know, many and me- like just multitudes of mechanical brutes for the next ninety-five episodes of the show. So. Right. Yeah. So, not sure how this all lines up um, structurally within the storyline, but Thane. Uh, and so, they're like, "Oh shit!" The mechanical brutes have shown up, right? At this point, and Coach is like, "Guys, I know what you're saying. You're saying that." I'm like a garbage person who doesn't know how to, like, control this robot. But I got to get into that thing and fight with it because I'm the only one. And they're like, shrug their shoulders like, yeah, that makes sense. And so he jumps into that. I'm not sure why the the girl didn't jump into the robot. She would have controlled it. They literally said, this robot has the same controls as your robot. So why wouldn't they have had her pilot the robot? It's actually a really good question. (laughs) And just destroy, decimate these other robots. Instead, they have a total amateur hour, Koji, jump in there, spin around in circles for like an hour, it felt like, being like, I don't know how to do this. Make it stop, make it stop. And the girl has to come up and like hold his hand, like literally hold his hand. Like the robot is holding his hand and being like, no, I'll help you do this. But this doesn't make sense. Anyways. And so they finally, they kind of get into like some control, like a little bit, and they run to the battle. And Koji's like, and she's like, you know, you're not ready for this. You're basically, you suck at, you suck at being a robot person. And Koji's like, uh, shut it, lady. This is a man's business. Stay behind me. Frankly, they're just going to get in my way. Yeah, he literally says it. Yeah, that's a line. I'm not even making that it's up. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating in any way. When this, uh, and, when this was recommended to me, uh, again, by the, the, the guys over... Uh, specifically Khan of uh, the Star Blazers group, uh, he said that this is like an extremely sexist uh, show because it's really old, 1970s, but I guess it's kind of the, it's kind of uh, indicative of the whole series that uh, that she always takes a backseat, which it gets annoying probably at some point uh, watching it. Uh, right, episode yeah. Especially episode. now. Has anyone yeah. here seen Neon 
I'm gonna I'm gonna pronounce it wrong just partially because I call, always call it Neon Genesis Evangelina Lily, but it's Evangelion or whatever. Has anyone else seen that? Uh, I've only watched half of it. I have not watched all of it, but it's pretty good. And I think this is probably definitely a huge precursor for it or yeah. like idea for it. Muse, yeah. maybe. Yeah, there's there's like a it, it has a very similar dynamic, I think, between the, the male and female lead in there where they're both in robots. And in reality, the, the female robot handler is like better than the male robot handler. But there's like uh, an, an, an idea of them her having to teach him because he has to be the one he was like kind of destined to be the one to control this robot by his in the case of neon genesis by his father in this case by his grandfather is like a weird level of that but wow yeah that sounds really similar yeah it gets a little weird at the end but yeah <laughs> it's similar at the beginning <laughs> yeah so then they get into a big battle climactic fight and the brutes seem like they've got an upper hand for a second like he's obviously dodging he's doing some things pretty good with like the scythe against the scythe person but then the the laser beam double-headed guy lights him on fire and everyone's like haha got that robot on fire uh that fire is going to melt him so we don't have to worry about him and they start going after um aphrodite a and jump uh you know th- throw a, a scythe into her back and like stomp all over her and stuff and the scythe person's about to kill um sayaka you know aphrodite a sayaka when uh oh uprises um you know uh, koji ready to fight again because uh that's not gonna just fire is not gonna take this guy out this is like a pretty supreme robot and so he starts um doing all kinds of fun stuff he's like shooting his like arm or his uh, super punch or whatever yeah he's doing that kind of that kind of shit he takes out the um he takes out the double-headed guy with his like laser beam uh power so he like totally melts that robot into nothingness and then he uses like his hurricane breath to uh disintegrate the scythe guy which was nuts because i was like imagine if like a human being was sitting there (laughs) that would be disgusting like it just turned into dust yeah it's a little bit weird also because i'm pretty sure the scythe guy comes back later so he managed to completely rebuild it so that's impressive thank god the scythe scythe guy was great he was great he had a little skull head it was quite impressive Mm -hmm. Rebuilt from dust? Mm-hmm. Weird. <laughs> yeah, a little strange. And then uh, they, Koji carries Aphrodite A to, back to um, the Light Institute and kind of flies out in his little pilder hovercraft and, uh, you know, cradles Siaka into his, in his arms and brings her inside. And they're all worried. She's all, like, hurt, and she's got, like, a, you know, in the hospital and stuff like that. But eventually she, like, wakes up. And is like, oh boy, I sure do like you, Koji. And Koji does get like a hilarious face on uh, face whenever he like kind of blushes because uh, he's in love with her. Um, he gets like a super silly face on it, and the little kid starts like making fun of him. So he gets like a super silly face, um, you know, at that point. And they're like totally in love, and they're probably going to spooch at some point, probably. Um, and is there anything else? Is it or is it more just basically like Doctor Hell being like, eh, I'll get you. I'll get you. I think it's basically it. Yeah, that's basically it. Yeah, he explains what he's going to do, right? In that he TV. does. He says he says he can't use mechs anymore or something because they'll just be destroyed by the bad or the the good mech, Menzinger Z. But he doesn't. He explains he's going to do something else for a while because he can't just like throw more mechs at this super mech because it's like too good. Mm. 
evade. One would think that the the ultimate plan would be to steal or convert Mazinga Z. That would be Mm. the ultimate plan, I would think. I could see that. Maybe it happens. I guess we should watch the whole series. Yeah, Yeah, probably so. Uh, Listeners, uh, get ready for the next, I don't know, what, 93 episodes of this podcast? I mean, they're presumably always in that submarine. One would think. Well, there we go. All right. That's that. All right. Do, do people want to start doing reviews? Yeah. Let's sure. get into it. Yeah. You want to jump into that guy? Me? Yeah. Uh, sure. I, I uh, again, work to find a, a good anime for us to watch with, uh, with uh, some mega monsters. I would argue that these are adequate mega monsters. They aren't uh, uh, strictly, um, um, you know, by, you know, what, what's the term, uh, bio, whatever. What am I looking for? Biological. Here, Biological. 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 Sure. Sure. They're, they're, they're maybe hybrids or, or strictly mechanical, but I mean, they're, they're still monsters. I mean, they're, they're an army of mechanical brutes. I mean, come on, that's, they're, these are beasts. Um, mechanical beasts it's true yeah um but i i had a, I had a lot of fun uh watching this uh i was really surprised um i don't know how much of that i have to owe to the sort of poor english redubbing but that was where a, a lot of the fun w- was for me it was pretty hilarious um with how bad the uh the dub was at times but i mean it was just it was just wacky and uh i kind of like you know uh, researching a little bit into the other other mechs that show up throughout the series and the manga uh, for my countdown tonight um, uh, kind of reminds me of you know the different X Men and and things like that. I, I like I always like to dive deep on all the different X Men characters, and that's why that was my favorite uh, comic book growing up. So I, I could see you know this being a, a a fun watch you know to see the different creature the different mech of the week um and can definitely see how it was the inspiration for a lot of uh ensuing animes um so it's pretty neat to kind of go back and uh view this as kind of a time capsule um but i had uh, I, I really enjoyed it um in fact I'd, I'd say probably the most fun i've had watching an anime maybe second only to uh the castlevania series on netflix i've, I've really enjoyed that um, as I've said on previous anime episodes, I'm not a big anime guy. Um, so when one comes along that I have fun with, uh, it's pretty rare. Uh, so I was excited to watch the first two episodes and would probably watch some more if, uh, we ever, you know, dive deeper on, on any of the submersibles that we do. Again, we call these submersible pods. I don't know if we mentioned that earlier. Um, but, um, I'm going to go ahead and give this, um, you know, we go on a scale of one to six for submersible pod or rather zero to six for submersible pods. And it's less, I feel like we do it less out of a critical lens and more of just like on an enjoyment factor. And I thoroughly enjoyed this. So I'm going to give it a five out of six. Holy nice. Nice. I can jump in. I mean, I'm, I, I kind of come across, come along, come along the same lines. I feel like I was very pleasantly surprised with this really hilarious um for someone who doesn't watch anime um very frequently i liked the visuals uh, dr hell was funny um a lot of the stuff in it were, was funny um you know the voice acting in particular probably accentuated kind of the hilarious aspect of it i think you know when patrick was describing watching the series with the 
uh, original Japanese voice acting with uh, English subtitles. Uh, it sounded like by making it or treating it more seriously as, as a serious subject, that probably took away some of the humor um, that you got from the English voice actors who seemed either amateur or maybe didn't totally understand um, exactly how they were supposed to convey um, these kind of silly lines and stuff like that in a serious way. Um, so that was helpful in actually making it kind of fun, uh, a fun thing to watch and stuff like that. So I enjoyed it. Um, I don't watch too much anime. This is a nice one to watch, very pleasant experience, um, to watch the two episodes. You know, I might even go back and and watch a few more of them. Uh, who knows? So I was going to come in around the same five. Cool. I might as well jump in here then. Um, so yeah, I got into a little bit about like the differences between the, the various versions I watched. So I watched the original with the English subtitles, but with the original Japanese. And indeed, it's like, it's much more serious. They have a much more serious tone to like how everything is happening. Um, and as far as those two episodes, I watched both those episodes with the original Japanese voice actors. And I'll actually come in exactly the same place. I would give it a five. I've watched different animes. Um, I'm not like a huge fan. My wife's a bigger fan of a bunch of things, but she's made me watch Cowboy Bebop. I've watched Trigun. And I really like One Punch Man. So those are kind of the ones I tend to like. We watch a little bit of Sailor Moon, and this reminds me the most of Sailor Moon. It has the same style, but this one seemed a lot more like, I don't know, like serious, but also with a more interesting... I like I like the mech idea more than the Sailor Moon, kind of like the... Um, I don't know describe that princess power kind of thing. Anyways, sure. Yeah. I mean, this definitely feels like more catered to the boys, or Sailor <laughs> sure. Moon probably... Yeah, Sailor Moon uh, came out a lot, lot later. I think it was in the 80s, but it, it somehow looks and sounds like almost the same. So there must have been something with Japanese anime where they kind of had the same style for years and years and years, which I'd almost describe as it felt very Hanna-Barbera to me, but that's all besides the point. Yeah, I was thinking it looked very Hanna-Barbera as well. It's just probably a product of the time, but um, definitely could see this being a marketable you know, toy line. Um, yeah. That would have been really fun for uh, a young boy. Yeah, so I was going to come in at, at five for that, but then I also watched the actual true American dubbing called Transer Z, only episode one. And there's the one main thing I'll say, which I didn't mention before because it was hard to explain, is that Baron Ashura is played with a single voice actor, and there's a narrator who immediately is like, and Baron Ashura is a she-male. It's half man, <laughs> half woman, and then everybody, there's two different characters who are like, he, she, uh, whatever you are, and they can't like handle the fact that this there's, this is neither a man or a woman, which isn't even the case in the original thing. And I was just watching it being like, I can't believe this is happening right now, because I watched yeah, it after watching it. That that's show, really unfortunate. Yes. Transer Z, <laughs> I would have given it to and I would never watch another episode ever again. <laughs> so it's like it, you can just tell how important I think it is to a lot of times to get like the proper. I would I would say you should always watch it in original Japanese with subtitles. But if you're going to go for a yeah. dub, make sure you get like that. They're the, the fan available. dub. No, yeah, at least the there's fan, a good the fan, dub available. I don't yeah, know. Well, the fan dub's a lot of fun uh, if, yeah. if you find it. it. Yeah, it, so, it sounds they, better. They, they, yeah, they tried to make it closer to the original Japanese. I, I think we also, we've learned this lesson before. Um, King Kong mm. uh, versus Godzilla was another case where you watch the Americanized version of it. And it is, in my opinion, not very good. Um, you know, 
uh, with a lot of inserted scenes that are just seem like they were shot in a day uh, on like a set or whatever and just like inserted into the film. Whereas if you watch the original Japanese, it actually is like a, a really good movie. And it's surprising that how often Americanized versions are like, we got to Americanize this up and they just make it shit for no reason. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Alex, your turn. Hmm. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm giving this a three and a half. It was okay. pretty average for me. I think if I were to like watch more and get a whole feel for the whole series, it'll probably go up higher. This kind of started the whole mech genre of anime because after this, um, what's that big one? Gundam Wing. I think that was a really big yeah. anime. Voltron. Mm. Yeah, this kind of like all started. I think this was kind of also around the time or close to when Transformers started, which was also a part of the mech craze. Um, I think as a whole, I would probably like it. This These couple episodes, uh, they were fine. You know, I didn't really find anything wrong with, I guess, the version that we were watching. It was quirky and funny and then serious at some points. And other times you were just kind of laughing. I, I thought the Dr. Hell character was just <laughs> a kooky old um villain of yeah, a character. Yeah, like a Scooby-Doo villain or something. <laughs> right, exactly. And I think I sent that to the text group. I know you guys have already said this. It felt like Hannibal Bear, but it felt like Johnny Venture, Scooby-Doo, and Dragon Ball Z kind of all thrown into one at first. Uh, it's kind of how I felt about it. Yeah, I could see <laughs> that. Um, I guess for in terms... I think you've talked about this before. In terms of submarine stuff, you know, we don't really rate it off that. So I think that's why I'm going to go with like a three and a half. But that underwater layer that they had with the sub and the rock on top of it, I thought that was pretty cool looking. Yeah, I don't... A, a giant, a giant submarine. Yeah, yeah. like a, yep. Yeah, that was pretty cool. With other submarines inside of it. Right. Very the mother submarine. I like it. So yeah, I'm just going to, I'm going to stick about three and a half. Just, just a little bit above average, I think. And I think if I were to keep continuing to watch it. I'd probably give it a bit higher, but it got my feet wet enough to, to stay interested in it. Okay. Very good. Uh, um, okay. Should I get into some trivia? Sure. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> episode one actually features some stock music from uh, Toei Adoga's animated film or anime film, Little Prince and the Eight-Headed Dragon, which I think is a, a, an early example of this kind of stuff it's in 1963 and it was composed by a famous composer so we had some famous music uh tickling our eardrums uh, for this guy um you know as I, I think i mentioned maybe before we started recording that there was actually a full-size mazinger z statue made uh created in the early 80s in mas del plata uh in uh northeast spain and it's still there it was supposed to be built as kind of an attraction for a new suburban development which apparently never even happened so it's just like a statue in the middle of nowhere kind of what for what's that like what why i think it was just an attraction and i think it, so there's you can read about this but this was obviously um had impact or influence on future a you know uh japanese super robot ideas uh through a lot of their fiction and eventually you get something like pacific rim or um, Atlantic Rim, uh, uh, which uh, which kind of played off that. And Guillermo del Toro talks about how, you know, this that was an influence. Um, and apparently this was somewhat popular in Mexico and maybe it was popular in Spanish-speaking nations. It got some kind of Spanish dub that became popular as a TV show. Yeah, actually, it was, like it was difficult to find anything other than a Spanish dub of this show. So, 
Right. Interesting. So that, that's, I mean, one, one possibility is that it was quite popular in Spain. So in the 80s, it was being used as some kind of attraction for the new sub- suburban park. It looks huge. Oh, my goodness. There's people standing yeah. in front of it. It looks like it's like 30, 40 feet high, maybe even yeah. taller. People like it, though. Uh, it's got a 4.5 rating on Google <laughs> out of 5. That's a pretty people good like statue. It. That's a pretty good statue. And then uh, just to get back to something I had mentioned before, the robot Mazinger Z uh, is based on Japanese Majin, Japanese for the devil or evil spirit, which I think is supposed to convey kind of the idea of the dual ideas. Like it's being used for good, but very easily if in the wrong hands. Uh, Like that, what was the lady's name, the girl's name? Uh, Sayaka? The daughter. Yeah, so if, if Siaka got in that, probably she'd be like, feel the power, right? And would have destroyed the earth. But Koji is destined to like handle it correctly and purely. You yeah, I, mean? I was reading that the the artist that did the uh, the mangas that uh, eventually became these shows, uh, the one that he became famous for, um, uh, also involved demons and the occult and all of that. So he actually took the 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 archetype of one of his demons, the main demons in his story. And actually converted it into a mech, and that that is Mazinger Z. Hmm. And then, do you want to do a quick little quiz of of different fake um, elements? I kind of found a list. <laughs> sure. Uh, what do you we, think? We, uh, we can. What do you think? Trans- what do you think of Transformiums from? Transformium. Transformers. Transformers: Age of Extinction. This is the material that Transformers are made of. So with an easy one. Now, this one, there's a few that are used in the same, like, uh, movie or TV show or whatever. So, what about tritanium? Say it again. Tritanium. Tritanium? Tritanium. Yes. And in the same show, verturium is another element. Hmm, I don't know what that would be. Tritanium, triton, I don't know. And then, in the same show, duranium. Duranium. No, I I don't know. Duran Duran, I don't know. Duran, a Duran Duran music video? Yeah. <laughs> Good, yeah. So yes, a Duran Duran music video had all three of those in there, but also Star Trek. So two oh, of those are what, what the, the hull is made of, and the other one is what powers the uh, starships. Which uh, which Star Trek? I don't know. It just says Star Trek. I think F- fictional Metal Duran referred in many episodes of Star Trek as an extremely hard alloy used in starship hulls. Huh. I probably oh, dilithium's, dilithium's another one. I was going to say, dilithium is the one that yeah, I, I would have recognized. I chose the only three <laughs> that, you, that didn't make sense for that. Yeah, dilithium's the other one, uh, which was mentioned uh, as being a Star Trek one. Um, then, of course, there's, there's classic ones like unopt- uh, it's not optanium, um, uh, adamantium and vibranium. X-Men. X-Men, yeah. Yeah. So Adam. Well, second, well Adam, vibranium, being vibranium. Vibranium is Captain America's shield. Right. That's Captain America's shield. Just, just so does Marvel. Export. Marvel universes in general. Yeah. Right. And then second to last one, which maybe Patrick would be the only one who would know this, uh, unobtainium. You mean the core, or I guess Avatar as well, but mainly the core, right? Yeah, the core. So the movie, the core. Uh, they they are able to drill into the earth using unobtainium. Which is weird because they were able to obtain it. And then in Avatar, it's what they're looking for. Pandora is unobtainium. And then, last but not least, and this is one no one can get, so this should be fun. Uh, Bazanium. Bazanium. Mm-hmm. 
Is that from uh, Bazinga? I don't know. Nope. Bazanium. Uh, it the, the is the B movie. Boom. It is raise raise the Titanic. Oh. Oh. Yeah. So the book and the film adaption. It's the main focus of the storyline. It is a powerful radioactive material sought by both the Americans and Russians, and uh, it was taken aboard the ill-fated Titanic during her first and only voyage. So that's why they're both trying to raise the titular Titanic. Wow. I could have used other ones like Jim, I think Jimbonium, isn't that like a Futurama or something? The giant element. Oh, isn't it, isn't it just like, oh, maybe it is Jimbonium. I thought it was just gigantic. I think it might be Jimbonium. Yeah. But yep. Yeah, and then last but not least, a little Phantom Zone. Engage the Phantom. Phantom's engaged, sir. Uh, one would think this would be difficult, but it actually isn't, given how many dubs there's been. Um, there's a couple voice actors who did the English dubbing, um, which I think may may have been for the original uh, Americanized version of this, who went on to uh, do voices in a lot of different movies, which included Despicable Me 3. Which has a large number or large uh, a, a submarine is a big part of that because um, the guy's brother is like a sub has a evil submarine or whatever, and so and that one I've used before in Phantom Zone, so it's usually pretty easy from an animated film to be able to do that because there's so many of the same people do all these voices for um, different dubbings and stuff like that, uh, so it's pretty easy. Um, and then where where do you think Ed Harris would have been good in this movie Ooh. or in this uh, TV show? Man, Mazinger Z. You go. You think he should have been the robot? You go into his head and you and he smashes things apart. That's what. Doc, I so you're saying an, an animated Ed Harris is, is a giant robot, and Ed Harris goes into him in a little hovercraft. Oh, I see. So he's also voicing Koji. He is, but Koji's renamed Ed Harris, and they look exactly the same. Yes, it's just a bigger version mm. of him. That's what I think. Wow. Feel free to disagree. I will disagree and say I think he would have made a fine Doctor Kabuto. Too young. That's good. Too young. Too young and spry. It's true. Uh, I don't know about that. It's harder because, like, I think the problem ends up being that you really want to. Like, are you really going to have Doctor Kabuto shirtless? Yeah. You just Might as well. really you okay, just well, condemn Ed Harris to death in the first episode. That's maybe that's he's bold. like all sweaty and sooty, like uh, working on the the robot. Hmm. So the first shirtless. 60 episodes of the series is him working on the robot shirtless? Yeah, just building it. Just, just building that robot. It took a while. I, I don't like just that. building up to a, yeah, just building it up <laughs> yeah. to a 10-star series. Hmm. This is getting frighteningly close to the, the slash fiction of, of when Kabuto and Dr. Demon, or whatever, Dr. Hell, when they were working on the robot together and got a little uh, romantically involved. It would make sense in the context of of why Doctor Demon's so mad at Doctor Kabuto. Yeah, I I think the only I don't know, Alex. Do you have any other opinions about this? <laughs> I no. Too <laughs> <laughs> good. Okay. He's been frantically it, looking up slash fiction for Mazinga Z. Yeah, I think the only the only um, the only kind of interesting thing about this whole discussion is that they're actually he was actually supposed to be in the American uh, live action version of Mazinga Z, but he was cast as Doctor Hell, um, which is interesting because then he read the script after being cast and was like, 
I never play a bad guy, right? Because Ed Harris has never played a bad guy in any movie. And he's like, okay. So he went back to the director and was like, I never play a bad guy. Dr. Haas to not be the good guy. And they're like, that's weird. His name is Dr. Hell. And he's like, too bad. And he like shrugged his shoulders. And so then they wrote an entire whole movie kind of as a prequel instead. So before he became evil, Ed Harris is now young Dr. Hell going through um, you know, his PhD program. And it's really frustrating and hard and it struggles a lot. But, you know, in the end, he's able to do it. And he works around the clock and is able to, you know, kind of rise to the occasion and he's able to get his PhD. And that's the entire movie. And it did terribly. Mm. Like no one wanted to watch that. It was really boring because it was just him doing his PhD. Shirtless, obviously. Wow. He already, he already worked around the clock. I already work around the clock. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, let me see. Should I should I go into my little game? I think you should. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I got the J archive back up for a little Jeopardy. Nice. I'm going to allow you guys to, uh, to work together because I don't think anyone's a particularly good with anime, if I'm correct, right? None of you three? No, I think Alex is our best, but uh, and even then, that is below amateur. <laughs> I think new. I think working together, you guys can can get these. Okay, up. so we'll just go down the line, straight down. Um, so this is an easy four hundred dollar. This is round two, and this game was from. Let me just go check this. Two thousand eight, June eighteenth. Actually, wow, almost literally what twelve mm. years ago to the date, effectively, but the. <laughs> Uh, this anime show didn't start on TV. Its characters were first part of Nintendo's Pocket Monsters. Pokemon. Pokemon. Oh, Pokemon, yes. So that one that one's got by Dave. Uh, this classic five-letter anime film isn't named for director Kurosawa, but rather Akira. Ikori. Akira. There we yeah. go. Akira. Triple stumper somehow. Somehow. Really? Yeah, wow. I think maybe they got distracted because Dave apparently guessed Akira like a moron. Good job. Uh, Good job, Dave. What an idiot. Yep. In this anime TV series, Bumblebee turned into a VW Beetle. Oh, Transformers. Yes, Transformers. Maybe I should have split this up. <laughs> it gets maybe a little harder. Uh, this lunar Nako Dekuchi creation is an example of a magical girl given powers to save the world. Sailor Moon? Yeah, the one I mentioned earlier, Sailor Moon. Oh, good call. Yep. And then finally, the $2,000 question. One of the highest grossing films in Japanese history is the anime film about this 14th century princess. Princess uh, Mononoke? Princess Mononoke. That's wow. it. Triple stumper. There's two triple stumpers, so I thought this might be hard, but you you guys got it. You worked together. You did it. So there we go. Patrick, do you remember when, when we saw Princess Mononoke? Saw it in theaters. One day run on, uh, on, in our hometown. Yeah, one day run. Only played that one day in the theaters. It was our birthday, I think. Yep. It was our birthday. Because remember, I think it was weird. I think our, our mom was like, what's your birthday? What are you doing? And it's like, we're going to go see a movie. And it's like, do you want to see like three movies? And we were like, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then we went and saw three movies in the theaters <laughs> that day. Yeah. So he spent the day like just watching movies. Was what was the best of the three? Oh, it was that it one was easily. I think the other one. Yeah, because there were two single-run movies playing. One was The Fantastics, I yep. think. Is that right? It was The Fantastics. Yep. Weird. Uh, with uh, David Bowie was in that. And then Princess Mononoke. And then I can't remember what the third one was. I think it was a bad movie. Like a really bad movie. Yeah, I can't remember. I'll have to look back on what was playing that weekend. For Princess it Mononoke, made, there, we watched. Ch- and then we went yeah. back and watched My Neighbor Totoro. And then the next year or something, Spirited Away came out. And it was just like, yeah. oh my God. like These things are amazing. 
Yeah. Yeah. So that's that. Thank uh, you, so, Patrick. Uh, Alex, Alex, do you have anything? Any <laughs> segment or anything? Uh, uh, just a few things I found in the news. I. You guys think I was actually looking up news? I found an article that was published today by our boy H.I. Sutton, as you guys know, who is one of the uh, underwater warfare experts of the world. Um, he is posting pictures to this article for Forbes. Uh, they think, I think I guys was talking about another, uh, excuse me, excuse me, I'm tripping over my own words. If you recall a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about a possible new North Korean sub. Well, these photographs today show a 50-foot long object that's underwater and they call it an extra large uncrewed underwater vehicle xl uuv is what it's short for i guess x love um so i'm not they're, they're not 100% sure that this is what it is but i'm guessing it could be it if you guys know not only i think it was today north korea actually blew up a building uh in north korea that's used to be uh the building where they have negotiations if you guys saw that in the news mm-hmm. I saw uh, that, yeah. uh, um, so maybe we might see this x love coming out uh to play at some point and hopefully south korea just destroys it out of the water so we can learn more about it also in the news a couple weeks ago or actually i think it was earlier uh this week um yeah the 14th there was a french sub and dry dock that caught fire and it burned for more than 14 hours. Not really wow. for sure. Not really for sure what fighted it just or started it just quite yet. But uh, firefighters said that there was particularly thick smoke. Um, but after everything was said and done, they were able to get it out. Um, supposedly, the French Navy says a fleet of six submarines is necessary, and they had two or three of them there, and this one was uh, on fire. So. <laughs> Um, I, I'm not for sure what they used it for or why it was in dry dock, but uh, I think a 14-hour fire in a sub would be pretty tough to fight. Uh, you'd be crammed in there. But we've seen it in yeah. movie. We've seen it in movies before. They seem to go out on their own, uh, but in real life, I guess it just doesn't happen. Yeah, I mean, I guess the only question is whether if it was made of super alloy Z and they were smart enough to make their submarines out of it, then the fire would just eventually go out because it's resistant. You know that's something right. we that's something we should ask the uh, the French Navy, see if they've been thinking about that. Do you think Mazinga Z does he ever go into the ocean and become a submarine himself? I'm sure. I'm sure there's some aquatic combat. Gotta be right. Yeah, from what I have seen and read uh, about some of the other uh, members of the army of mechanical brutes, I think there's got to be some aquatic combat out there. Mm. Does he ever go to the moon? You think? That I don't know. Do hmm. you think he goes to America? I mean, in the uh, American version, he definitely goes to America. <laughs> no, I'm talking about the Japanese version, Patrick. Yeah, maybe. Hmm. If he stood next to the Eiffel Tower, would he be about the same height, do you think? How tall is he? I, he's he's got to be a little shorter, right? He looks shorter. Hmm. Do you think he ever, like, dives, digs really deep into the earth, like almost to the core? Because he could, he could do it. Uh, if you're trying to get the uh, podcast to end, I think uh, Brom still has some stuff to do. <laughs> no, Brom's got it. Okay, I know. <laughs> Tube three, ready to fire, sir. 
commence the countdown. Alright, so I, I, uh, it's not much of a countdown, it's more of a little contest, competition thing I like to do when we've got the twins on. Uh, kind of reminded, I mentioned uh, X-Men earlier, kind of reminds me of what we talked about during X-Men when I uh, shared uh, kind of a verses between, you have to tell me, uh, between two, which is the real member of the army of mechanical brutes and which one did I make up? Okay. Oh, wow. okay. So okay. I've got a few uh, pairings here. All right. So with the first pairing, Crocodiver O1. As per its name, Crocodiver O1 resembles a humanoid crocodile with a large head and a tail that extends from the back of its head. In combat, the Crocodiver uses its large jaw to latch onto opponents before separating into its three components head, body, and tail. Once fully separated, the Crocodiver uses its body to restrain opponents before crushing them. Or the Helicroctor I-9. As the name would suggest, Helicroctor I-9 is a reptilian mech with a pair of rotor blades that enable hovering. The Helicroctor strafes over the battlefield, spewing its acid breath that is strong enough to corrode, if not outright destroy, Super Alloy Z. If grounded, the helicopter can burrow into the earth using four massive drills on its underbelly. Which one is real? Are we working together? Uh, you guys can work together. I, I want to guess the first one. I also want to guess the first I one. I kind of want to guess a second one, but the reason being, in the first one, he described the tail coming out of the back of his head and then described right. it separating into three parts, head, body, and tail. Got a little confusing to me. As to how that worked if the tail was on his head. But but it is the real one. Crocodiver 01 is a member of the army of mechanical brutes. Okay. Boom. The next one is... Whatever. Next. I don't know how it works either, but uh, that is what the Mazinger Z wiki tells me. Uh, Lighter Q6. Lighter Q6 is a humanoid mechanical beast with an oily green body. It has an oblong silver head and a pair of saw blades coming out of the back of it. Its arms resemble hoses with a nozzle and three sharp razor-like fingers. When it moves, you can hear viscous chemicals sloshing within its torso. Lighter Q6 uses its arms to latch onto enemies and drain their liquid fuel sources, if any. Or Blacker F2. Blacker F2 is a humanoid mechanical beast with a mostly light green body and has a small teal head with a pair of yellow spikes sticking out of its sides that are attached to red rods. It also features a black hat-like structure on top with a jewel in front of it. Blacker F2 is able to fire a beam from the jewel and detach its head to avoid attacks and give a larger firing range. Oh, I mean, mm, if I had to make a guess, I think it's the second one. Yeah, that second one sounds a little bit more. Who can make? Who could even make that shit up? You know what, as I get, I'm going to go one. <laughs> well, uh, Alex and Jamie are in tune again. They've got Whoa. it with Blacker F2, the being the real one. Patrick, no one could have made up that description seriously <laughs> as like an actual yeah. thing. Whereas the one him describing the sloshing inside, true. it was clearly made by someone who liked making up a robot. <laughs> I had a zag. We couldn't all be in I can't. I can't boring. fool you, Jamie. All right. Uh, two more pairings. Uh, next one. Wicked Hell. Wicked 
stylized W-I-K-K-I-D. This mechanized mm. version of Dr. Hell is made from an ultra-strong alloy designed to rival Super Alloy Z. Its cloak is fashioned from chain links and courses with high-voltage electrical pulses that stun attackers. Wicked Hell's head pulls back to reveal a bomb launcher, and its shoes conceal rocket boosters to provide flight. While airborne, Wicked Hell can focus electricity into powerful bolts of lightning. Or Mecha Baron Ashura. It appears as a giant mechanized version of Baron Ashura. The left side of the body has a darker coloration and squared features. The right side appears more feminine with a lighter color and a breast. The mechanical beast is armed with different weapons. The left side uses spike knuckles to attack enemies, while the right side uses its tentacle-like fingers to entwine opponents. It can also vertically separate from its halves and fly. I, I, mm, I gotta go with the first one. I'm gonna go with the second I'm gonna one. Actually, me too. I'm gonna go with the second. I'm going with Patrick. Second one. All right. The twins got it this time. Yes. <laughs> Patrick's because on the board. The reason being that it was called Doctor Demon in the American version, and I and I didn't believe that they would change his name if they if they had a Mecca later on that mm. that had to have a name. So. Mecca Baron Ashura is one of the real mechanical brutes and finally i will tell you i'm gonna i'm gonna once we do this one i'll tell you how i was able to score so far three out of three let's see if i can make it a perfect form (laughs) i'd be interested uh Mm -hmm. final uh, pairing brighton j2 or bristol r8 brighton Mm j2 is a tall blue humanoid Bright, or pardon me, a tall blue humanoid, Brighton J2, is able to release rays from the lenses on its chest to attack enemies. Its belt can release the blades attached to it in an offensive manner. The three spikes on its head are actually missiles. And Bristol R8 is a wide green mech resembling a stingray. Bristol R8's back is lined with quill-like missiles. The missiles have a homing property. In the water, Bristol carves up and down, creating dangerous tidal waves. All right. I'm going to go with the first one. Yes, I'm going to go with the first one as well. I I don't know. Dangerous tidal waves sound pretty serious with homing rockets. <laughs> it's true. But would they even make an enemy that that strong? Would it even be an enemy? I don't know. Maybe it becomes maybe it becomes friendly down there. I'm going to go with the second one. Fuck it. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> It's all right. We're allowed, we're allowed to swear yeah, on this podcast. We got the explicit rating. Oh, okay. Uh, but unfortunately for me, Alex, and for you, I was not able to fool Jamie this episode. True. Brighton so J2 is the real one. Listeners, the key is, is that he enjoyed making the descriptions so much that he actually made too good of descriptions. <laughs> Things that that you'd, you'd see someone writing perhaps a novel of some sort or maybe some fan fiction of some sort. This is how they would describe their yeah. robots that they were making in this fan fiction. Whereas the real ones are just boring and dull enough to be like, oh, someone's job was to make this description of this robot. Yeah. Did you like my theming for that last one? Brighton, what, Brighton, like and, Brighton and Bristol. Bristol? Yeah. Yeah, I liked it. And the... Uh, but I, I was hoping for the reveal to be that you wrote all of them and Jamie just called half of them boring. That'd be, that'd be really funny. <laughs> that would have been funny. <laughs> I thought about actually pitching it as my top eight uh, Mazinger Z um, 
mechanical brutes and then revealing at the end that four of them are fake. Oh, that would have been hard. Because I wouldn't have been... I wouldn't you wouldn't, have been, yeah, you so, been paying attention. Yeah, I wouldn't have been keyed in. But uh, that is it. Uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in to our review of Mazinger Z. We'll be back yeah. to a full-length feature uh, film with Atlantic Rim. We've talked about it enough. I think we're finally going right. to do it, uh, and we'll return next week with that. Yeah. So you did all. You did a bunch of research into these robots, right? Uh, I, I wouldn't say that, but I did find a huge list of them, which was pretty cool to go down and look at all the images and sketches of them. It was pretty neat. Was there anyone that vaguely resembled how to describe this? Not like like a cap, like what a captain might have. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, like a phallic. Uh, <laughs> Perhaps. There, there it is. There it is. Um, yeah, looking at them right here. Not really. There's one that's got a giant horn on its head, which could be, uh, you know, perceived as a little phallic. Hmm. But no. No, not really. All right. They're, they're lost, I guess. Thank you for listening to Submersion. Don't forget to subscribe for new episodes every Thursday. If you like what you heard, please leave us a rating wherever you listen. Want to interact with us? Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We also love to get messages from all of you. If you have a suggestion, a comment, or just anything you'd like to share, please email us at maceaststudios at gmail.com. Okay, let me uh, let me test real quick. Make sure I'm coming in. See, I'm coming in quieter. I'm gonna have to turn this. Right, it looks like my microphone oh, volume went down a little again. bit. Let me go. Let me go. Let me go. Yeah. I'm I want to get up to negative twelve. Negative twelve. Check test. Negative twelve. Blah, 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 blah. Negative this 12. is your boy. Yada yada. 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 Testing. Testing. Check. Negative check, twelve. Test. Negative twelve. No. Okay. <laughs> negative twelve. <laughs> you know, negative twelve. Episode, yeah, right? it's close enough. Negative twelve. That's definitely gonna be at the end of the episode.